Welcome to the Making Sense of Podcast. This is Daniel Douglas, your host, bringing strategies, tips, and interviews covering technology, photography, video, and all things multimedia. It It starts starts right right now. Due to the global pandemic, more people are recording podcasts, creating video presentations, or just attending meetings and conferences, but they're doing it virtually. Working from home has become the new normal, and it just may be that way for the foreseeable future. My next guest is a communication expert and founder of MasterTalk. MasterTalk has one unique goal, and that is helping you to overcome your fear of public speaking. We're talking today with Brendan Kamarasamy about techniques to get you ready to present on camera. Welcome to the show, Brendan. Thanks for having me, Daniel. It's great to be on. Yeah, uh, Brendan, I'm happy to have you on the show today. You're in Montreal, Canada, correct? That's it. Yeah. So great town. Love that city. Uh, I've actually been there twice and I, I, I really do want to come back and enjoy, enjoy all of the <laughs> sceneries. Um, so I want to, before we start, I want to, uh, play a quote and it's a quote that, uh, you actually recorded on one of your, uh, YouTube podcasts. So let's just take a listen to that, uh, real quick. Video is universal. It allows people around the world to communicate, share, and exchange ideas. Chad Hurley, co-founder of YouTube. I thought that was prolific, actually, because with the new normal now, with the pandemic and everything that's going on, a lot of people are staying at home. When I heard that and I said, man, that's a great little soundbite there. So can you elaborate a little bit more on that uh, quote? Of course, I'm happy to. And for the record, like I mentioned in the video, I wish I wish I was the smart guy who came up with that one. But fortunately, <laughs> I just came up with the tips, not the quote. Chad did a great job there. But uh, but to elaborate on his eloquent point there, I think the magic of video is it allows you to add and add value to a lot more people than you would otherwise. So let's say, for example, in my case, when I started Master Talk, I was just coaching maybe. 20, 30 people individually uh, because of the competition program I was a part of in business school. So we did presentations for fun, essentially. And by the time that I'd finished, you know, in a university, I started the corporate world. I probably helped over 100 people. But my friend came up to me and he said, do you have time to coach everybody in the world who needs your help? And I said, no, right? Because I was going on to work a, a really lucrative corporate job. So I was like, oh, look, I don't really have time for any of this. And he said, that's why you need to go on video because video allows you to reach people that you otherwise wouldn't be able to teach. And I think that's the beauty, whether in a pandemic or not. I think uh, that's the, the magical opportunity that awaits us with this medium. Yeah, and I, and I agree. It, one of the things is because of the pandemic now, and, and I, I'll tend to go back to that a little bit more because we, we're faced with the new normal now. And, and when you and I first uh, exchanged emails about coming on the show, I, I kind of thought, how can this guy fit in with what I'm trying to talk about? And you came back with a very good idea about that. And I said, hey, listen, you have to present on camera. 
Um, it's not easy to do for sure. And I know I'm probably one of the worst people to present on camera. So uh, this will not only help me, but it'll help other people as well. Let's let's talk about uh, structure, uh, good habits versus uh, bad habits. Absolutely. So, so a good way of starting the conversation for presenting on camera is acknowledging this idea that everyone stinks at the beginning, including myself. So when I was presenting at audiences, I had a lot of practice. Frankly, I was a bit cocky. I had the confidence and bravado just because I'd presented so many times in front of an audience. But when I sat down in my mother's basement, yes, my mother's basement, and I was opening my phone up to do my first video, I remember how horrified I felt. And the reason was because there was nobody to talk to. I didn't know how to move the camera. I had no idea what was going on. I didn't have money for lights. And I was I was terrible. So I could definitely I could definitely acknowledge the difficulty that you have at the beginning. And I think the easiest way to push through that is by having a clear intention of why you want to be on video in the first place. I don't know a single YouTuber or influencer or somebody who wants to be on camera that has been amazing the first time. It's by doing it over and over again, what I call progression becomes your obsession in the sense of the more that you do the more the mission becomes a lot more real with master talk so in my case for six months i thought it was a stupid idea i had 10 subscribers no one was watching my stuff but then the two three people who were watching my stuff were saying oh i watch all of your videos without question so i just said oh i have an idea here i think i can help help more people then i got a lot more passionate and now i record years in advance right so it's 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 a process that begins with the following question how would the world change if you were on camera, if you made this decision to be on camera? And the more specific you are about that person, the more confident and incentivized you are to keep pushing through the hard battles. How long did it take you to really be comfortable on camera? I, I know for me, I'm still going through it. And I've presented to groups uh, in the past, but on camera is totally different. Absolutely. So. I would say one one benefit I can give people if you happen to be good at any other element of public speaking, public speaking, just so everyone's on the same page here, isn't about presenting on stage. Let's say you're a great conversationalist. You like to have deep, meaningful conversations with people. You like to get coffees with people. What's great about the skill in general is it's very versatile in the sense that if you're really good at one component of public speaking, it automatically makes you better in everything else. So it took me around four years to get really good at presentation specifically. And that's because I didn't have a coach or resources or really anything. So I was, I was pretty much poor and a student. So I didn't have the, that access that a lot of people can have these days. But what happened with camera is it probably took me a year to get to that same level just because I had the background one. But second, I want to emphasize that I presented over 500 times on camera in that one year. Why? Because I'm very unique as a YouTuber in the sense, not in a good way or a bad way, in the sense that I don't like editing videos. It's not my thing. So when I started making YouTube videos, I was one-shotting videos. So let's say I was five minutes into a video, Daniel, and it was a 10-minute video, and I would mess up. Well, I would just start at the beginning again. So obviously, this, is, this can sound very daunting for most people. But what this did for me is it accelerated my growth curve because I was presenting each video average 10 times. And since there's 52 videos in a year, you know, once every week, I'd presented over 500 times. And I also want to add that for those who have Instagram on your stories, I was presenting on stories every day as well. 
So that really added the reps, and I was able to find out my style really quickly when I went professional. I'm glad you mentioned uh, Instagram because I was going to ask you about that. So thank you for putting that in. Um, let Let's talk about preparation. Um, in preparation, would you say folks should have a script, a no script? What about maintaining eye contact with the camera? A lot of YouTubers flail their hands and it's to me, it's kind of distracting when they do that. Uh, and what about your personality and, and what should you wear when you're on camera? Absolutely. So, so let's start with the basics here. And the basic for me and for, I would say, 95% of people that I usually talk to in a podcast, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. I think the priority is really about figuring out what your mission is why you're getting on camera and just posting every week, despite how terrible it is. And if you don't believe me, a great example I can give you is also myself, but I'm not a very big YouTuber. So I think MKBHD is a good example here. So he has a 10 million subscriber channel. And the first 100 videos he made was for his first 100 subscribers. So he literally made a video for each individual subscriber. So he was terrible. And he still has videos up online for people to see the journey. And obviously now he has like a $50,000 setup, but it's it was a decade-long journey. So I think for most of us listening, it's not about the tactics, it's about the religion. Why am I doing this? What am I trying to achieve? What outcomes am I trying to get on camera and then go on camera? Now let's talk about tactics for the, the people who are already creating. So what happened with me, Daniel, is when I started, the what I realized fairly quickly is there's a big difference between in-person presentations and video content. And the big difference there has nothing to do with really the information you're sharing, but the interaction you have with your audience. So let's say you're giving an in-person presentation and you're confusing, let's say, 10% of the time. Well, you can ask me a question, say, hey, Brandon, this slide right here, I don't really get what you're trying to achieve here. Can you just re-elaborate? I would be happy to. Because I, we have that interaction right in front of me, so I can answer your question. But on video, because it's scalable, since you don't change, you don't exchange your time for for teaching people, and people can watch the same video hundreds of thousands of times, literally. You need to make sure that you're so crystal clear on camera that no objections come up, because they can't ask you directly. Sure, they can if you have like ten subscribers, but if you go up to like ten, even just a couple thousand it's really hard for you to go through all of the clarification. So that's why I highly recommend people, especially those who are creating educational content, to really script out your videos word for word. You don't have to use a teleprompter or anything, but you just want to see how your thoughts are structured so that it's much more easier for you to present on camera. And it's a lot more efficient too, especially if you're working with a video, uh, like a creative director or something like that. And then of course, there's other tips like, you know, you want to make sure your eyes are on the lens at all time, or else you don't seem credible as a speaker. You seem like you're looking all over the place. And then of course, there's other things like the way that you develop your own unique personality is not something you worry about in the first six months, but it's something you learn over time. So it's a lot like public speaking, where you copy a lot of different speakers, you take a little bit from everyone. And then over time, you realize your style. So like you, you take someone like me, I'm someone who's super energetic, I'm extroverted, I like bringing the life into this extremely boring and mundane subject of communication because I want <laughs> teenagers to get excited. I want people, and that's just my style. I like being in people's faces and, so, and like Gary Vee, right? Some people like that, some people don't. But then you have the other side of the spectrum. People are way more successful than me who are extreme introverts. And some examples that come to mind are 
uh, Roberto Blake, who's a very well-known YouTuber. He has probably, uh, I think he has 400K subscribers. He's probably the most introverted guy I've ever seen in a YouTube video, but he makes it work, right? I've seen some of his uh, uh, videos now that you mentioned it, and it's almost, he's almost hypnotic when you're watching his videos. Right. I, you know, I'd even as go as far just to, as encouragement to people. He's boring. Like he really is. But I think the key to Roberto that I think the lesson we can take away from him is not that he's a bad creator, but rather the goal should not be being energetic on camera, but being comfortable on camera that works for you. But but it's it's his content. I mean, going back to Roberto, his content is just his content is good. And, and you, you know, he doesn't fail, flail around with the hands on camera like some some guys and, you know, and, and women um, on YouTubes that I watch. But his content is just on point. So when you say scripting, I guess, you know, this is a question. Should you anticipate questions that folks would ask? That's a great question, which is more meta if you think about a question of a question. But is the idea is is simple here. The way I think about this is it's definitely important to think about the questions that people can ask, but you want to you don't want to stress yourself too much with this. I think a good way of looking at it is you want to just answer probably the top 3 questions you think you would get by impersonating that person that individual that you're trying to help. So let's say, for example, when I make a video on the fear of public speaking, I answer those objections up front in the video as well, right? So for instance, I, I play that person's shoes. I, I see that they're nervous. I see that they're afraid. And I mentioned that in the video. Like, I know it's not something that's easy for people. So that would you want to, I think the way we want to steer this conversation, Daniel, is not necessarily directly answering questions that people might have, but role-playing and putting ourselves in the shoes of the outcomes that you want from the video and that your audience wants from the video. And as long as those outcomes are met, if people ask you questions after, that's more of a, that's more of a, not, it's not a, a hit against your video, but rather ideas for future ones. That's kind of the way I look at it. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Now, I, I want to move on to the next topic and this is a topic that's near and dear to me and you'll hear it in this podcast we're talking about controlling filler words and i have a humongous problem with one filler word in particular you know and i had to train my brain and i'm still working on it to stop doing that. Now, it's easy to go in, especially on a podcast or even video, because I do like editing videos to get that stuff out, but that's time consuming. So I've, I've watched some of your videos about controlling those uh, filler words, but if you can just uh, speak on that for a minute, and I, I just did it again. Uh, can you just speak on that for a minute? <laughs> <laughs> of course. You know, it's funny you mentioned that, Daniel. For some reason, whenever I'm on a podcast, people are very self-conscious, especially the host. I go, don't worry. It's all a journey. We're all trying to learn. <laughs> so don't worry about it. It's all good. So so the idea with, with ums and ahs and filler words, like you know and like and all that stuff, is I don't want people to get bogged down by this either. Like the way that I see it, that I didn't say in my videos that I'll say on the show, 
is the goal is not to remove all of them, but reduce them so significantly that they don't matter. So that once they get reduced so so significantly, at some point it just becomes zero. Like someone like me who's been doing this for for many years. So in that in that line of thought, the way I want us, us to start the conversation is by by figuring out what the best way of removing those filler words are. And the best way, and most speech coaches agree, is to replace them all with pauses and silences. But let me add a, a layer to that thought. The way that you do this is by mastering silences first. So we need to understand that this is a tool in our toolbox, but if we use the screwdriver for the wrong thing, it won't work. Right, so one one area of focus that I, that I want to challenge people on is what I call the endless gaze exercise. What you want to do, since we're all at home now, is with a friend or a partner, you want to look at them in the eyes for twenty seconds longer than you would normally. So what this does for most people, and not for the best speakers in the world, but I would say for ninety nine percent of people out there, is it makes them feel a very very high level of discomfort. Like, for example, I'll get examples. So one of the IT executives I coach, and I told him to do this. He's like, well, well, Brendan, I never looked at my wife for that long in the eyes. And I was like, well, you got to start learning, pal. Right? So, <laughs> so what happens is not only does it, it, does it help you with your life, because women especially appreciate that, but also in the sense of you help others feel seen and you also get very comfortable in this idea of not speaking for, an inde- for a long period of time. And one secret that I tell people is that the difference between the best speakers in the world and the ones who are average is that the best speakers in the world can pause forever. Obviously, we don't have forever. You have to take my word for it, but we can pause for indefinite periods of time. And what I do in those workshops that I have in person with people is I literally stare at everyone for 10 seconds each and say nothing just to prove my point. So what happens is when you get comfortable with silences, use them more effectively in your presentations. And once you start to use them more effectively and you realize how the screwdriver actually works, you start to go, oh, I, let me just use this instead of an amara. Let me use this instead of a you know. And by the time you know it, in two months of practicing this and just focusing on that one thing, the number of your followers will exponentially go down. There was one video that you had on your YouTube channel. And, and I'll have a link to this in the show notes because it, it blew me back on the silence. You stopped and you stared at the camera. You said nothing. And it freaked me out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it really freaked me out. I looked at it and I played it again and I played it again and I played it once more. And I started laughing and I said, you know what? This guy is right. I felt so doggone uncomfortable with him staring at me and he's just on camera, you know? So if, if anyone thinks that he's kidding, click on the link in the show notes and look <laughs> at that video <laughs> and, and make sure you leave me and Brendan a comment on that <laughs> because it, it's just, I we're, I'm lost for words on that because it just freaked me out. But I'm I'm happy that you mentioned that. And I'll make sure we uh, have that in the show notes. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> Brendan, I know um, that you do coaching uh, for students and businesses. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about uh, your, your uh, coaching? Yeah, of course. Happy to, Daniel. So, so the way that I see this for most people listening is I don't think most people should be investing in public speaking services just yet. So in my opinion, here are the kind of the order and how I would go about this for people. I would start 
by watching the free videos that I have online, by researching content like this podcast and learning about communication. The next thing you want to do is you want to start creating content. If you want to make, be on camera, if you want to start a podcast, you want to start creating because now's the best time. Then after that, what you want to do is you want to find yourself a community of accountability. So that what I recommend usually for people is a Toastmasters club because it's not very expensive. It's probably like 70, 80 bucks for six months at a time, for three months at a time. So it's a great way for you to meet a lot of great people and it's a great way for you to practice public speaking and always be in that mindset that I need to get better all the time. And then as you take on that journey in Toastmasters and you realize that you have a really big impact that you want to make in the world, that you have a really important message to share, only in that context. So that's why a lot of my students end up being you know, CEOs of companies or people who are leading movements or uh, executives of companies. Because they have a very strong reason why they need a master public speaking or podcast host too, who have really big uh, followings. So they would hire someone like me to come in and help them with their speech. So if you're in that type of category and you're looking for that extra help, then feel free to message me on Instagram at Master Your Talk. But feel free to also message me if you just have any questions. I'm always open and happy to take any insults, complaints, uh, comments, questions. I'm always open for anything. Sounds good. Do you... Uh practice in the United States? Yes, I do. So so a lot of my speaking engagements are in the US and I and I have a lot of clients there as well. Great. So Brendan, I know you're pressed for time. I really do appreciate you coming on the show. Um, always nice to have a, a, a chuckle and not be too serious on these podcasts. So in closing, is there anything that you'd like to add, uh, something that we didn't cover? Uh, in this podcast. Yeah, for sure. I always like to end with my favorite quote, Daniel, and the quote is as follows, be insane or be the same. Like if you want to be like everyone else, it's totally fine. But if you're listening to this podcast, if you're listening to this conversation, you probably want to make a difference in the world. So my question to you is, don't you find it odd that as a 22 year old, I started a YouTube channel, not on vlogging, not on comedy, but on public speaking communication tips. And then I went on to coach C-level executives at the age of 23. But I still live in my mother's basement. I still don't own a car. And I still make a decent living for myself. And I don't plan on moving out of my house until I'm 31. So why do I make those decisions? I make those decisions because I believe in what I want to achieve with my life. So I encourage you all to be a bit more insane, to make more counterintuitive choices with your life. And you might just find something really interesting to do. Great. So in closing, just give us one more time, links, websites, anything uh, that people can reach out to you. And we'll also have those in the show notes. Absolutely. So, so feel free to message me directly on Instagram. That would be master your talk. I answer all my DMs. So don't be shy to just comment me. Let me know how you thought the show went. And if you have any feedback for me, and if you want to check out my YouTube channel, that's Master Talk in One Word, where I share all of my tips and tricks over there. Brendan, I really appreciate you coming on this show. And listen, anytime you want to come back, just give me a shout out. This has been Brendan with Master Talk on the Making Sense of podcast. If you like this show, please subscribe, leave us a comment on iTunes, Stitcher, or any podcatcher that you listen to. Catch you next time.